0: Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a 100 different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Were prohibited by and T-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit Cox.com Internet for details.
1: From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell and West. That's Chamberlain. He's got it.
2: Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid strike.
1: To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. Johnson is on there celebrating. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win. Yes! LeBron James! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. Yes! It was all over. The off. have won. It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bouguet, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty, alongside my co-host, Corbin Ford. I am Garrett Bouguet, and on this week's episode, I know this is an NBA podcast, but we are not going to be discussing basketball here, although that may come in in the, the periphery of the discussion. Uh, we're going to be breaking down what's, what's happening in the world with the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, of course, I, as a, a Caucasian male, am not the, you know, the the best person to be speaking on this. But I also feel like it's important to, to keep this subject at the, the front of the headline and, and keep it in the news. Uh, I've already started to notice over the last few weeks that, uh, you know, even on social media, you've started to see these, uh, these topics kind of go away. And I don't really want that to happen. This is too important. And uh, so, so Corbin, first off, thanks so much for for uh, coming on as always, and uh, thanks so much for uh, for uh, being willing to to discuss this uh, sensitive issue. Oh, I appreciate
2: having an opportunity to talk about it like that, That really means a lot. Um, thank you. Uh, you know, it's it's a lot going on, and I'm I'm happy to at least talk and have a discourse about it, and kind of find our way together, and maybe hopeful hopeful that some of these discussions we're having right now can continue to happen, as you said, you know, we're kind of more or less losing sight of it, unfortunately, in some ways, and uh, just remember that those same important conversations and uncomfortable discourse that we were having are important and need to be sustained in order for us to hopefully become better society, so
1: uh, I'm just happy to be part of that with you, man, and I'm um, grateful to, to be here. Absolutely, and, you know, as you said, this, is, this has got to be something that continues, and uh, because there's, there's no short-term fixes to this. This is going to be something that we've got to continue to, you know, there have been some, some, uh, some actual policy change across the country in, in various ways, but, you know, it's not nearly enough. We need sweeping reform. Uh, we, need, uh, we need a lot of things to happen, and, 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 that, and that sort of change does not occur overnight. But, you know, speaking to how this all sort of came about, obviously... Uh, George Floyd was uh, was murdered in uh, in the middle of the day by a police officer, and it was a situation where, you know, obviously we had seen other innocent, unarmed black people killed by the police in the past. It, it's happening pretty much every day in this country. It's happened for, you know, decades and, and centuries now. Uh, but this incident was... I, I think a little bit more noteworthy to the general public because of the length of, you know, the, the, the fact that it was nearly nine minutes of this officer putting his knee on George Floyd's neck. I've heard it described as a, a public lynching, and I, I think that's uh, that's a fair way to describe it. But, but I think the other thing that has maybe highlighted this and, and led to all these protests and the awareness Uh, the universal awareness that we've seen in not only America but throughout the world is the fact that the coronavirus is happening. And while the coronavirus has been terrible in oh so many ways, of course, we've lost nearly 130,000 people in America and and many more across the world. But, you know, the fact that the coronavirus has, has shut down sports, it's shut down a lot of the economy, it's shut down movie theaters, there aren't distractions for people. And therefore, you know, when you get this sort of news, this this shocking video uh, that that came across our, our phones, our computers, and and, and the like, uh, it uh, it is something that just simply could not be ignored. Yeah, I'm with you. It, it was one of those things where it
2: almost, and I hate to say this in any type of weather than just what it was. It felt like the perfect storm of a situation where you know you have this. I mean, police. Brutality, you know, black people being killed um, for what seem to be trivial instances that get taken to the extreme at the hands of police officers. Nothing new, as you said, has been going on for a while, but because there's been a lot more time, it's almost like it, those situations were magnified and put into a pressure cooker, you know, and, and, and because people were actually, you know, you had no sports, there aren't any movies, most of the stuff is out there, it happens. It's. I remember Bob from Gene, you know, when he was killed in his own apartment by an off duty police officer, how fired up I was, and how that was sort of a thing a couple of weeks and then it sort of passed by it, it's like a wave where the incident occurs there's initial outrage maybe if the incident is particularly egregious it's semi-sustained and then it dies away and recedes never fully disappears because when you bring up the next african-american the next person who shot or killed um for no reason or for for you know just in, in just indiscriminately then that name gets lumped in with the rest and before you know it you have a whole stable of names that you can run down from, you know, Drace John Reed to Breonna Taylor, Ahmed Aubrey, Botham Jean, Trayvon Martin, Azelle Ford, I mean, you can go on and on. Um, and because of this time where most of society has more or less been locked in and kind of forced to see what's going on, and you can't go away from it, at least this is my own opinion here, I think that these instances resonate. I'd like to say that in some, in some way, it's also just society looking at it in a different lens than they were four or five years ago and going, oh, no, this is a problem. And, you know, the optimist in me wants to believe that some of that is just natural, I guess, evolution, awareness of these social issues and, and, and really a, a, a mini kind of pandemic of, of this going on and saying, okay, we need to look into this. We need to see if we can stop. But even if that's not the issue, or even if that's not the reason, um, the the coronavirus and people being inside and, and, and not being able to kind of run through stuff that would normally, at best, um, to serve as a protection from the issue at worst, just be a, a basic
1: distraction. They've had to kind of look at this in the mirror, so to speak. Yeah, and, and you know, speaking to how frequent these things take place and how it, yeah, as, as you were saying, it has, has somewhat become normalized, it's it's similar almost in a lot of ways to the mass shootings in this country. You know, you see so many instances of of, of uh, a, a person going around with a gun and, and killing multiple people and because of the frequency of it, it becomes normalized. It becomes, oh, that's sad, but we move on. And, and yeah, it's simply, uh, we simply can't accept that anymore. We simply can't just let that, um, you know, stuff like this happen and, and continue to just, um, you know, go about our daily lives and, and, and kind of forget about it. Um, so, so, yeah, it, and, you know, speaking as from, from someone. Uh, that, that's living in Ohio of course there was, you mentioned a, a lot of victims of the police brutality and, and the police racism of course uh, in Ohio the famous one being Tamir Rice just a 12 year old shot in a park uh, you know there, there's just countless numbers of names and and yeah it's it's uh, it's so incredibly sad and it's also so just rage inducing is after a while same
2: thing happening again and again, it, it, it it's weird, because anyone who's killed, you know, in general, uh, by a police officer and for no reason, or whatever the case may be, there's obviously a, a, a sentiment of sadness, of anger, but when the same situation keeps occurring, and the circumstances are the same, and you're really just putting in different unfortunate people, just literally seven people in, for the exact same thing, again and again, for, for seemingly no reason. It just boils. It just turns into a rage, and the sentiment is echoed by people all over who go, listen, you know, the casual uh, disrespect or overlooking of what is really an issue, this is enough. This is a lot that goes on. And it's like, oh, well, I mean, and we're going to even talk about now with um the, the recent riots and stuff that's going on. It's like, oh, well, this is bad, but what's going on with the rioting, looting is also bad. Like, we get it. Like, you're not, like, Two wrongs don't make a right, but at the same time, you are overlooking the main issue to then focus on the ramifications of said issue. And for me, it's one of those things where I try to, to say, I guess, somewhat diplomatic about it in terms of, you know, I, I try to see, as they, as they say, the other side, or I try to try to look at all angles. But it it's come to a point where it's really, and I don't even to say black and white in this way, but it's really quite clear what is right and what is wrong should be done and what shouldn't be done this isn't a case of semantics anymore it's in the case of oh a police policy is to shoot here and he was resisting and oh but i can do this and oh but i can do that this is a matter of what should happen in a situation like this and what shouldn't and it's really just about human people or human beings and respect to people as they are and not because of the color of skin or, or because you had um i don't have it offhand but um the person who recorded um being basically threatened to have the police called under the the pretense that she was being uh, threatened by him. You know, people weaponizing the inherent bias from police officers, officers or, or people in general of African-Americans and what they may or may not be doing, what falls under suspicious activity or not. Uh, it It's just a lot. And I'm trying my best right now, Garrett, to kind of contextualize and make my thoughts clear without spilling out. I have like a rundown of ways I wanted to go about this and I'm just already devolving into my normal um, uh, train of consciousness here in regards to this topic. But at a certain time, it, it, enough is enough. I mean, we've been long overdue on this and the problem is it's, it's, it's not even something that is that hard. You either understand and know this is what we should be doing this is how we should be treating people. There's basic respect for everyone, but, Black lives, in terms of being killed by the police, is a very long history of this happening for no reason. And
1: if you can't see that at a certain point, I honestly don't even know what to tell you. Yeah, no. Um, you, you said a lot there, and, and 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 I have a lot of responses to to what you brought up. Of course, one of the first uh, things you mentioned was the whole idea of people being upset about the looting and the property damage, and 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 frankly, you're exactly right that if if you are more concerned with property damage then you are concerned about you know innocent black people being murdered your priorities are in the wrong place it's as simple as that and exactly. you know the um the other issues you know we've seen people complaining about the confederate monuments uh, being taken down and people uh, are, are suggesting oh if you if you take those monuments down you're erasing history um frankly no you know Books aren't going away when you take down exactly. a, a, a a monument, exactly. but but what you're doing there when you're putting a racist soldier uh, or or a racist person in history and you're putting them on a monument and you're showcasing them in public, that is glorifying those people, and that's the problem. That's why those monuments have been taken down, and, and frankly, rightfully so. Uh, you know. There's a difference between you know keeping our history and understanding what has happened before our current time, and actually celebrating what has happened. And and frankly, there is a lot of that going on. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of diversions. You know, the the complaining about property damage, the complaining about uh, Confederate statues being taken down, complaining. I I know there was a NASCAR driver that complained about. NASCAR banning the Confederate flag, you know, the and, and the All Lives Matter uh, diversion. It's all diversions. It's all just a way for people to basically shift the discourse away from what the actual problem is, and frankly, shame on all of those people. I completely agree. I mean,
2: you even just mentioned, and I'm piggybacking off of that, I put on my own personal Facebook a while back, an image about just privilege in general, white privilege specifically I brought up, but privilege in general where people are saying, you know, Horrible that an innocent black person was killed, but destroying property has to stop. When the, the better way of saying it is, you can't acknowledge both, it's horrible that property is being destroyed, but killing innocent black people have to, has to stop. Exactly. That is the issue. The ramification is because people are uncomfortable by it. I understand, uh, no one likes to see communities being burnt down, and the common refrain is they're destroying their own communities. No, communities are being destroyed, and people are being killed for no reason because they're walking outside um, looking suspicious or looking some type of way, when really it's about walking more black, driving more black, whatever the issue may be. That is destroying communities because you are ripping young people away from their families. You are ripping fathers and mothers and and cousins and aunts and uncles, bringing families apart for no reason. That is something that's destroying communities if people really want to care about that situation. And a lot of the time it's a refrain just to say, uh, just say, oh, woe is this. Look at how bad this is. Where any other day of the week this happens and no one comments, you know? And that's something I've had to deal with in my own personal life where, I'm sure you've had the same thing where friends and, and family and stuff say everything about the looting and and the destruction and the riots and how much of an inconvenience for them. However, when these shootings are happening again and again and again, and one name after another gets added to this huge list at this point, there is silence on that end. And it's like, okay, if you're going to speak for one end of it, speak for the underlying cause, the underlying reason. That At this point, it's it, it, it's a shame that in 2020, as, as advanced and as far ahead after having the Civil Rights Movement, all these different things happen, that we have to go back.
1: brutality It comes down to, to white privilege. It comes down to systemic racism uh, and implicit bias, of course. And, uh, you know, there, there's been some examples over the last few weeks of, uh, you know, in, in my mind, the perfect example of what white privilege is. A lot of people, you know, when, when they hear that term, uh, don't think it, it, it uh, applies to them. Uh, but, you know, you saw a situation in New York where a white woman was illegally walking her dog without a leash. Yeah. And a, a black man basically called her out on it, said, hey, you know, put your dog on a leash, you're breaking the law. She then uh, called the police on that black person. And, and yeah, there's, there's just a general feeling of, even though I am in the wrong, I am the one committing the crime here. <laughs> and and the the black person here is just being a law-abiding citizen. I feel confident and safe enough that I can call the police, and they will have my back in this situation. That is the definition of white privilege. Um, and and you know there was there was another video I saw of a a black man writing "Black Lives Matter" in chalk on his own property, and his white neighbors came over, claimed that he didn't own that property. And and called the police on him. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah this, this stuff is happening all the time. But th- that to me, for for the people that don't understand what white privilege is, that is it. When when you are in the wrong, you can call the cops and feel safe that, uh, that they're they're going to go after the other person and not you. Um, and and uh, you know, I watched uh, I watched a couple of um, of hour long specials by uh, Oprah Winfrey on her network called uh, What Do We Do From Here? And uh, one of the things she brought up, which I wanted to get your take on, is the idea of, and again, this is a bit of uh, semantics, but she brought up the idea that um, using the term privilege, people think of that as like, you know, high status sort of a, a term. So she thought that it should we should use white advantage instead, and maybe that would, would resonate with more people. I, I was curious to hear your thoughts on that. I, I mean, I
2: don't. I, 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 in my mind, privilege, I mean, at least the dictionary definition of the word is, uh, right, advantage, or immunity grants are available only to a particular person or group. I understand some people getting mixed up on that. I'd rather educate them what the word privilege means. If people need it spelled out, then I guess you could say white right advantage. But I, 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 to me, I, I, I understand it. Um, I for one, I don't know if I'd say white advantage more than I would just say privilege. 'Cause I look at privilege like you have the privilege of being able to call the police and not be considered a threat. You've had you've had black people call the police and they end up being the ones getting shot. You had black people call the police and and they end up being the ones being arrested and they're the ones who actually made the call. So um, white advantage. I mean, if that helps people, makes it easier, I I think it does.
1: Feels like you're appealing to the willfully ignorant there a little bit. Exactly. Thank you. Exactly what it feels like. Like it's the same thing. If you want to spell it out, make it clear for them. Great, but it shouldn't be that hard to grasp at any at any at any point. Right. Yeah. It's uh, it's incredibly frustrating. And, and you mentioning you know the the opposite scenario where black people are calling the cops to help them because maybe white people have have done something to them. White people have committed the crime. There was. There was a, a video early on in the protest, and there was actually a news station and an anchor at the scene where these black store owners called the cops, and the cops came into the scene, and instead of chasing after the uh, potential looters, they immediately went and arrested the store owners. And, and, and purely because the store owners were black. This, this stuff happens. This stuff happens all the time, and it's incredibly frustrating. And, you know, the, the other really frustrating aspect of all of this is that, you know, the, these cops should recognize that, okay, these protests are about us. These protests are about our handling of situations and our handling of and our dealing with black people in this country. And yet, when these protests have happened, We've seen countless and countless videos. I'm talking in the thousands. Uh, You you can find, if you search this stuff, you can easily find it online. um, That that, uh, of cops, despite knowing that people are filming them, continuing to do a lot of the same stuff, continuing to be showing that brutality, that violence, even when it's not instigated by the protesters. A lot of these protests... Have been peaceful, and it's the cops that have been the aggressors. Exactly, and that's I mean to, to just take back on the last issue
2: you're talking about, where the body cams are on. Um, I don't want to forget uh, Tatiana Jefferson, who was killed in October, and mind you, there was a neighbor who was calling up for her, the non-emergency police number, to do a welfare check on her because she was concerned that her front door open was was Her front door was open, so just checking up on her. The police come in, where Jefferson was living with her eight-year-old nephew at the time, who was watching over her mother. As soon as they see her and the police camp shows their shooting within shooting distance of the person that they were called to check on her welfare. Like these issues are just and this is again and again, and you're right, the same peaceful protests that are just to bring light to these issues. The police who are usually there or intend to be to bring order or to assist in something, they don't even need to assist in something that's not an issue. Come in and it feels almost willingly stir it up and make it into more than it is where injuries and loss of life and general hysteria just come up out of it. And it, it is, it happened so much over the past two months and you can see exactly when it changed. I think even worse for me, Garrett, is the police who took knees in solidarity moments before starting complete anarchy. It, 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 there's a level of, of what almost feels like intentional, just, I don't even know the word for it, but There's a special type of, like, is diabolical the word, where you, for the camera ops, whatever the case may be, you're walking with them, you take your knee, you're doing that, and then all of a sudden, you're shooting tear gas in the crowd, you're instigating an issue. I don't understand. That happened a lot the last two months, and that's another kind of branch off of the discussion about the police um, starting a a confrontation or a, a,
1: a violent situation where there wasn't one initial. Exactly. Yeah, it's, um, you know, people have been, I've been seeing it called copaganda, you know, like the the, yes. the cops version of propaganda, where yes, you, you've seen instances where cops are kneeling with protesters showing signs of solidarity, exactly, for a photo op, so that people can, can post that online and, and show that, hey, they're on our side. And then 24 hours later, you see those same cops uh, pushing a man in buffalo and and causing his brain to bleed um, yeah, you know walking right by. yes uh, so uh, yeah it's it's incredibly frustrating and you know you you see uh, you see the these cops will um, the other thing that's been that's been super frustrating as well is the the police infringing on you know the First Amendment rights of people of freedom of speech and you've seen them you know, willingly target the most vocal black protesters. I, I saw a a video of a, a protester, a, a black guy, you know, being as about as empathetic as you could be towards the cops saying, you know, we're all in this together. We have to live together. You know, I I want us all to show love to each other as opposed to hate. You know, it was a very heartwarming message of unity and humanity and the cops went out of their way to arrest that person. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, an, it's incredibly infuriating. And you see the stuff like uh, where I saw a cop using, they were, they were on horseback and, and trampling over protesters. You've seen you know, them using their batons. You've seen tear gas. You've seen rubber bullets. And, and all of this is, is causing a lot of damage. People have died. People have been severely harmed. And and all of this because, like, again, these people are protesting this stuff, and yet they continue to do it in face of the protests. Yeah, it's almost as if they are un, unfazed by the situation with no... Yeah, that's term. how ingrained this is in this system. Exactly. That there is nothing there that, that deters
2: them from what they feel is... is I, I, I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even know. They're just determined to continue on with... The, the way that they're going about it. And it, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know. It is, it is something that, uh, I don't even have words for it sometimes. Where you used to think, I remember when, I think it was Michael Brown, um, I think he was shot running away, um, and uh, resisting arrest, whatever the case may be, running away from the cops. And I remember, you know, it was what, not even it's like eight years ago, if I'm remembering this correctly. And, was on camera and the camera has been an interesting tool in this debate or in this let's say just ongoing situation between law enforcement and people of color where it has been a great help for some in confirming situations or bringing to light things that scarily the law enforcement would hide under the rug without you know the law enforcement saying one thing happened cameras proving that they're lying through their teeth again and again and on the other hand it, it, it's been almost even more infuriating when you can see what happens and it's almost like in this day and age people can look at the exact same situation and see something entirely different when it is pretty much as clear as it can get right in front of you and i think it, it almost felt like and i guess this until it goes to like the courts so that's a totally different conversation but it almost felt like up to a certain point the camera was almost the great equalizer in terms of maintaining a civil discourse in arrests, in interrogations, in questioning to make sure that basically people of color came out in one piece at the end of the interaction. Um, and now it's almost like law enforcement cops have just looked and went, oh, I don't even care about that anymore. Like You can call what you want. I'm going to do what I'm going to do anyway. And that's why we have so much footage of them pushing people, stomping, and just being, just, just almost it's it, it's it's criminal it's criminal <laughs> what it's what is being done and being recorded and just a total disregard of it knowing that there are cameras they're knowing that the people are watching and they're just going to do what is wrong right in front of you and
1: you're not going to do a thing about it because what can you do yeah i mean it's uh it's the the whole system is broken and and yeah the the body cams yes. people people thought that that would be a solution and and i i'll talk a little bit later there is a there's a man named sam samuel sing yangwei i don't know if i'm pronouncing that correctly but he's a data scientist and policy analyst that that uh, talked about the things that do work in terms of police reform and the things that don't and there's no evidence that, uh, that that body cams actually work and i think a big part of that is that you know as you said when they're doing the, these the, these acts even if it's videotaped or recorded, they realize they're not going to be punished anyway. I mean, you, you talked about the, the Brianna Taylor and, and those cops that, that murdered her. Um, you know, the vast majority of them have, have not been fired and have not been arrested. So, you know, you see these cops, They, despite having cameras on their chest, they understand that no matter what I do, not only am I not probably going to be punished by my department, but even if I am punished by my department, I can just, in, in a few years, these, these uh, police union contracts will go away. I can get rehired. So their, their career yeah. is not under threat. Their livelihood is not under threat because these judges and the, I guess, the, the civilians at large still have this belief that, you know, cops are inherently good, so therefore they can't be criminals, Um, and, and so, yeah, it just perpetuates this cycle of, oh, I can do this thing even right in front of a ton of witnesses, and I know I'm not going to be punished for it. So then there's, you know, no motivation to change their behavior. Yeah, and you said There's nothing there to detract or say,
2: okay, you know what? I mean, besides the basic fact of what is right and wrong and what should or shouldn't be done, um, I'm, there's no immediate ramifications. There's nothing to cause for pause and reflection. And as you said, the system is broken. And the fix is there is so much to it. There is so much to kind of break down and go into on that. Uh, it's easy to say, oh, the situation comes from the top. It comes from within. It's like a cancer that needs to be excised from just this just this national situation that we've had that we've continued to have that's been a pandemic of its own. Um, and and I say that in terms of just... Widespread and not easily stopped, and just how uh, I don't know. Uh, it's 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 encouraging to see this conversation being as sustained it as it's been. It's encouraging to see this this situation going as long as it has. Um, and it's sad in that way because this isn't even the most that we've had in any one month. You know, like like it's just the time that we've ended up having it that is causing it to be something of note. And to be co- honest with you, I. I It's just so much to to, to try to break down. And I'm glad that we're at least attempting to talk it out now. But every time I start to focus on one simple thing, it's like, oh, and this is an issue. And this is an issue. And bottom line, enough people from all sides have to say this is enough. And if not, then it has to be uncomfortable enough, in my own opinion, that these conversations and situations continue to be analyzed and talked about and brought up, and people continue to be uncomfortable to realize, okay, maybe I may not take it as serious as I should, but the rest of the society around me is, and I have
1: to give it the program on that situation. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's vitally important to not only do what you can, whether that is signing petitions, spending money towards black organizations, going out and, and protesting, and also just like educating yourself, going out of your way to understand uh, the, the black experience better, especially if you are a white person in this country. Uh, so so yeah, that's why I um, I posted on, uh, and it's actually the the pinned tweet on my Twitter profile of uh, a, uh, you know, I, I of course watch a lot of film, I watch a lot of TV, and uh, so I've come across a, a lot of great uh, a great media that uh, it was created by black filmmakers that's talking about the black experience. So be sure to check that out. Uh, I think it's important to continue to to uh, to to educate ourselves, whether that's through reading articles, reading books, uh, watching things, watching uh, interviews. Uh, there There's so much that uh, that we can do and and we have to do to to better ourselves to, be better informed about all of these th- these topics, but yeah, going back to the um, Samuel Sing Yangui, the, the data scientist and policy analyst, a, a few of the things uh, that, that he also mentioned, aside from you know the fact that body cams are not effective, he mentioned that better training and implicit bias training has has not proven to be effective in police officers. Uh, a few things, though, that he has suggested that, that that we can change at the at the state and local and federal level is. Policies regarding governing the use of force is effective. Things like requiring officers to de-escalate situations, requiring officers to give a verbal warning um, or to intervene if necessary, uh, not allowing, I mean, this this stuff is crazy, but not allowing them to shoot at moving vehicles or not allowing them to put people in chokeholds. A lot of those are obvious. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, you know, just, just putting in policies that, uh, that tell officers, this is how you should behave in this situation, uh, has proven to be effective. Demilitarization, uh, is another thing. You know, we, we continue to arm our cops like their military personnel. We give them bazookas, basically. <laughs> we give them tanks and, and, and all of that just gives them the mindset that they are at war. And, and, the police are here to serve and protect us. They aren't here to battle us. And that's kind of the mindset that police officers have in this country. And of course, uh, you know, a part of that problem is the fact that America is also, uh, you know, the country that loves guns more than any place else. And so, yes, the the cops do have um, a, a right to fear that maybe a civilian might have a weapon. Um, but but the fact that we are loading up our officers tooth and nail with equipment to to make them feel like yeah they're in a war zone is is not helping. Yeah, and that's
2: the problem. This continued, you said arming and, and, and increased stacking of arms in a situation that I'm not saying I, I'm not saying it doesn't it doesn't need to be handled violently in my opinion. I think that these it's it's really about starting on a. At the top level legislature, to, to 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 with the focus on facing it, not a focus on limiting or, or making people go, oh, you're taking away our liberties, which is something that's immediately brought up whenever something of uh, demilitarizing or defunding. It doesn't mean we're we're taking away, not redistributing to other places. We're trying to help society in a whole. So maybe it's less from arming a police force that doesn't necessarily or doesn't, it just doesn't need any more weapons, and more on the schools and and surrounding neighborhoods so that you're making a better community, so that there's less use of police force slash brutality on situations, and you're right, it's something that you see, I think another uh, police force got, like, some sort of tank or something, donates them for free I think you mentioned, like, brought up um, not even a couple weeks ago, it was like, no, they don't need this, you don't need that to roam the streets, and it was for like a uh, little small town, like 1100 people or something, and it was like why, like this type yeah. of attitude, this type of mindset is part of the problem because you have a big gun, you're going to want to use it. That's just what happens. They have tasers, you have all these other things, but the first thing they grab is the one that you have. You know what I mean? And it's the one that, it's, I, I'm not saying walk around with just a nightstick or anything, but I'm saying in terms of the first thing people are grabbing and using is lethal force, the very first thing. And maybe if, they, if there was actual um, cause for that, it's understood, but it's like, oh, you surprised me. Oh, I walked in the room when I was expecting somebody and I saw you and so I came up shooting. And and. It's these scenarios, these hair triggered, hair brained, split second decisions that cause loss of life that is replicated again and again. That's a national issue. That you're right. Dearming, defunding, and that sounds um, just taking away may be a help and also re educating. Because so many think that oh, we know everything there is to know, and you have you know, the armchair police officers on Facebook and Twitter and all over who, you don't understand the cop's life. No, I mean, I'm not saying I can pretend to understand the many decisions that a, a police officer goes through in a day, in a night, you know, in a situation. But I can tell you, as a, as a black man, the situations that I have to go through, that my family have to go through, that you wouldn't understand. So, they, they, there has to be a meeting of the minds here. And I think it starts with taking away some of the problems. <laughs> and I think some of the problem is just the increased arms
1: that law enforcement carry, that are used to harmful end facts. Yeah, and again, the demilitarization has has shown through statistics that it leads to fewer deaths. Um, you know, you, you <laughs> give you give cops less weapons, that uh, they're they're going to have less that they can use to kill people, essentially. Um, and you know that that money that the that enormous sum of money, you know, a tank is not cheap. Buying a tank is a yeah. is a ton of money. If if you reinvest that money in as you said, other programs for for every ten additional organizations in a city, that reduces the murder rate by nine percent. It reduces violent crime rate by six percent. It reduces property crime rate by four percent. You know, if you start investing in in social workers, in mental health care workers, in um, you know uh, people that c- that can deal with homeless issues and 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 affordable housing. For uh, the people in poverty in the community, instead of sending cops for every one of those situations, you send a cop to find the homeless. You send the cops to to deal with a suicide threat. You send the cops to deal with um, mentally challenged people, and and they are not trained in those those areas. So all defunding the police is. It's not a matter of we're not going. We're not going to have police anymore. It's a matter of, instead of spending the money in areas that hurt people, we're going to spend that money to to allow for the police to have less on their plate, and the people that are professionals in certain areas can actually help the citizens in need. Exactly. And I, I know it's hard for
2: some to understand, but if we really think about the best interests of people, and you brought this, this about demilitarization and everything, like that is an option that... Uh, it just has to be considered at this point. It just has to be considered. It's too much of this has been going on for too long that that there, the change where this monitoring of it at a base level, you know, to 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 enact
1: long lasting change in a society. Yeah, it's um. It's, it's going to take some time, it's going to take some patience, but we've got we've to keep at it. And, and not only do we have to do that from just a citizen-by-citizen citizen level, but we've got to be informed on, in, in the political arena and vote out the people that are causing some of these problems and vote in people that are ready to help. And uh, we've started to see that in, the, in some of the elections, and some of the primaries, I should say, that have taken place over the last few weeks uh, but hopefully that continues. And again, not just the 2020 election. It has to be the election in, in every single year. We need to keep up this momentum and keep voting people out that aren't in in this for humanity. Uh, and that are in this yep. for dollars, in this for profit, in this for political party purposes. So uh, all of that is, is vitally important. Like you said, it's all over just twenty twenty at all times and every
2: level because it's a systematic system. The racism is systematic, the this this the, the killings have been systematic, how it's been done is the same power, same order. You need a top down makeover. And that starts on everyone that, that is like you said, in it for the profit, in it for for the whatever other ulterior motives and bettering the society, the community that they serve. And, and and or even those who don't understand or or come out with with, um, oh, we're doing the best we can when they're making, at best, minor improvements. No, you need to have someone there with the true best interest in mind for people. And and when you do that, you will see improvements start to happen across the board. Because right now, you have certain elements that do, or some that do and some that don't, and as a whole, that's why we're in the same boat that we've been in for years. Where, oh, this side's good, it's not all people, or this or that, or all the cops are bad, but guess what? if certain cops do it and certain ones condone it, then guess what that makes it seem. And when it happens all over the country in different spots, in different times, and, 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 and this is the new norm, then it's a little hard to convince people that, you know, it's not all that, happens, even though we know that that's the case. We don't need to be told that all cops aren't bad. But obviously it's a lot
1: more than people would have you believe, and that's the problem. Right, and, and when, we, when we initially brought up the all lives matter or blue lives matter arguments. I guess we didn't really go into the, the logical fallacies of that, but um, to, to break it down, uh, you know, basically when, you're, when someone says black lives matter, they, they of course aren't suggesting that other lives aren't important. What they're doing oh. is highlighting an issue in our communities that is a problem. And uh, they're, they're trying to raise awareness. You know, when you see someone talking about, you know, when it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, no one jumps into a, a breast cancer awareness meeting and says, hey, but what about testicular cancer? You know, it's, 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 not a, it's not a competition. It's literally, this is an issue we are trying to raise awareness. You know, I, I saw an example of, you know, when, when there was that mass shooting in Las Vegas, everyone you know, was universally saying, we stand with Vegas. But no, no one came in there in that situation and said, well, what about California? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's um, that's, that's the issue is you are taking away when you say all lives matter or blue lives matter or, or whatever or the looting is a problem, you are taking away uh, something that needs awareness and needs highlighted. You are diverting people's attention from an actual problem. Exactly. That type of discourse is harmful
2: because we understand what it's meant. I mean, those who, who who don't get what Black Lives Matter, I'm sure there are people that are happy to tell you, but after a certain point, they actually get tired of it because this conversation has been happening for a while now. Right. And this whole semantics of all lives matter, blue lives matter. Yeah, people matter, we understand. But when a disproportionate amount of black people are getting killed by police, then guess what? Everyone needs a general reminder that Black Lives Matter, because they're the ones that you keep seeing in the news, on Twitter, on videos, all over being shot. It's just a friendly reminder. Like, oh yeah, you know what, all diseases matter, but guess what, if a lot of people are dying of heart disease, then maybe we need to focus on heart disease just to highlight that in addition to all the other, equal, just as important ones, but obviously this is the one that needs attention right now. And and I, I don't understand those who don't get that, who want to take the argument from that, or, or say all lives matter. At this point, I think it's quite clear when you're using that, what it, what, it, what it stands for in itself. Because we don't need a reminder on that. All houses matter. All Come on now, let, let's be real about this. You know, And again, I appreciate you bringing that up and, and, and talking about that, because that annoys me the most, is that refrain that's really
1: just a mindless deflection from the situation at hand. Absolutely, yeah. It, uh, it infuriates me as well, and 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 another thing that has has really annoyed me that I've seen on on social media and the news is this whole um, idea of like selection bias in terms of what you're choosing to highlight, what you're choosing to promote, what you're choosing to show your followers or your audience, and and, and whatnot. You know, I've seen I've seen on Facebook plenty of people posting um, edited videos of Of black on white violence during these protests when yes like that is still happening no matter um, you know no matter how many uh, you know if you have a large group of protest protesters there's gonna be uh, you know some people there that are there for the wrong reasons but the the reality is if there's a hundred videos of of police attacking black people or white people attacking black people and there's one video of a black person attacking a white person do not ch- select the one video that supports your worldview, and shows and and, and and makes it so that it seems like oh these things are happening in equal measure when they are absolutely not. Yeah, and you can tell again it's for the you have some
2: who who, who speak or have issue or have issues or questions that are just coming from ignorance, and you can tell the ones that are coming from malice. And it, again, as this continues to happen. That's only getting more and more clear. The one argument, see, this proves, but you're the same one who's saying all lives matter, so why single out one of the opposites? The same with the copaganda. The see, some cops are good people. We, we don't need a reminder of that, but guess what? When you see four or five on one person just squeeze the life out of him, that's an issue. And, and again, it's, it's that type of roundabout argument with no answer. They're not trying to prove anything more than just a lame defense of an argument that was never brought up in the first place. And uh, I, you know, I mean, you understand as you see it. But as someone who's just again and again, or, oh no, I'm with you, but oh no, this happens, but it,
1: it just after a while, the patience is gone. Yeah, and and I had an instance, you know, again, um, as you said, a lot of this is 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 malicious from from these posters. Uh, some of it is willful ignorance. Some of it is just not completely understanding. You know, I had a cousin who. Um, you know, posted on Facebook one of those copaganda videos and, 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 and she was doing it from a place of, of goodwill. She wants solidarity. She wants the police to be on our side. Um, and, and, but once I explained to her that, you know, a lot of this is, is then leading to the, those same cops that were kneeling then attacking protesters, she took it down. So, so I, I do, and I, I mean this is probably the optimistic part of me, is I, I do hope that there is a lot of people out there that still can be reached, um, that, uh, that, that, that it's not a willful ignorance, it is just genuine ignorance, that, uh, and, and they're coming from a place of uh, you know, having a good heart and, and wanting to do the right thing and are willing to learn and uh, be educated. No, and I don't
2: mean to insinuate that the ignorance in itself is wrong. I think I'm more of the malice end than that because sometimes you just don't know. I'm not.
1: Absolutely, agree with you. I'm not
2: in any way trying to um, malign those who
1: are not. You know, it's not your experience. It's yeah, and I, I didn't think you, you were. To. I just wanted to no. clarify.
2: <laughs> no, I appreciate. Yes, and, and and I agree. Like there's certain experiences I don't know and I can't speak to, and I want to reach. And and, I, and I'm glad that you had experience like that. And I've had some friends I've talked to who understand. and or commit to trying to be allies and help in that in that situation, and it is it's encouraging. You know, it's not all gloom and doom when it comes to this. It's just enough that's happened that it's sobering enough and easy to kind of get into a moment of okay, let's 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 look at this, y'all. Let's really look at this. Let's really try to make change. It's been going for too long. I mean, I look at it every time like, what the fuck's happening? Like again and again, and it's just uh, it, uh, I don't know. After a while, I just lose words. I'm trying to bring up a, a, a good reason why we're still in this situation after so long, so much being recorded on video, so much being easily seen that that shouldn't I mean, bottom line it, we, we're in a scenario where repeating things that we really shouldn't be, you know Yeah. and, and, and after a while it, it just runs out of words to say the same thing that's been said for people even more eloquent than me for the last 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, you can go all the way down the line and and, and, and and see the exact situation over and over. I think there was um, a graphic I saw on a social media platform, Facebook or Twitter, um, a couple of weeks ago, where in 1920, there was um, an African-American uh, holding up a sign saying a black man was lynched yesterday, and then someone took the same sign um, and was holding up another protest like a month and a half ago. And it's like, it's been 100 years, and you can still pinpoint the exact same action, the exact same activity. And it, it's...
1: It's just it's honestly fatiguing. Yeah I mean no like a, a sigh is the perfect response to to, uh, to what's happening in our world and yeah a, a lot of times obviously um, uh, it, it can be very frustrating the the lack of progress the how slow progress seems to be happening um, And at times you know obviously since uh, since 2016 I would say we've maybe even gone backwards. Um, so yeah, you know, a sigh is the, is really the, the perfect response. Um, but you know, there are still some positives out of this. As I mentioned, there are, there have been some, some laws and some, some rules changed in, in many States across the country. Of course, one of the obvious ones, which again, this is a pretty low bar, but you know, a lot of places are actually now banning chokeholds. Um, that, uh, that is something that, that, uh, yeah, uh, you know, that's a rule that should have been instituted in 1920, not 2020. Uh, but, uh, but you know, there I've also seen things where even outside of just purely you know police brutality and and, and the the racist justice system, just in, in in the larger society, I've seen things like the the white voice actor that has actually voiced uh, the Cleveland character on Family Guy, and he's done it for 20 years, actually just stepped down realizing that, hey, this is not right that I, as a white man, am voicing a black character because I am de- depriving a talented black person from this role. And, uh, you know, so, so that's another thing, I think, from a broader cultural context that hopefully is is improving and changing and, and giving black people the opportunities that they deserve. Yeah, and, and I, I'm glad
2: you brought that up because I feel like see that there I, I see it in all of uh, media in general um i think sports is one that bugs me i know that there's been a um, topic of uh, bill simmons and um his interesting situation involving you know his network and um an interesting line he said about that
1: and the ringer and uh there um yeah that was I concerning the... yeah exactly and i'm sure we can kind of go on that or something like that but where it's like, hey,
2: give those opportunities, at least to make them available. you know what I mean, the Cleveland show, I, I, again, I come ignorant of that, I didn't know until three or four days ago that it wasn't a person of color that was behind it, I just, you know, I wasn't, it's not a show, I, I followed too much, so I wasn't really of that thought process, but I was like, wow, that, that's surprising, it's, it's, it's something for him where I'm, I'm, I'm glad that people are going, you know what, let me look in the mirror a little bit, let me try to make opportunities, you know, and that's something that is, it, it's, it's appreciated, you know what I mean, it's something that you look at and go, wow, well um that's a sign you know of, of some improvement or at least awareness increased awareness um no matter how long it's been or whatever the case may be um another case you see in like sports media or something where you have um even uh, when we're doing like uh we cover the nba and you look at nba or sports and you look at the, the people playing the sport and you look at the people reporting the sport and why there is like a, a, a if oh, there's there's let's just say there's a big uh discrepancy there are some it's not like it's not completely one way or the other but there's opportunities that are available or that could be available that aren't being taken
1: advantage for reasons that are just, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I was listening to a a dunked on podcast where uh, Nate Duncan had uh, Mark Spears on and and they had a really enlightening conversation uh, in in large part talking about, you know, black issues in general, but then also in relation to the NBA. And and Mark has, has done some articles highlighting the you know, top 10 black head coach candidates, and we've seen people respond with, why not just say top 10 candidates in general, another, you know, kind of an, an all-lives-matter diversion, and, you know, his basic response on that podcast was, well, you know, if the, if the black coaches were getting the same level of opportunities, I wouldn't have to write this, uh, I wouldn't have to write this article. And um, it it is it is unfortunate because it is as simple as, you know, no one is forcing employers to to hire black people. What they're asking for is to give black people a chance. Let them interview for these positions. Don't just immediately, um, you know, give the position to your to your white family member or just uh, interview a couple of white candidates and call it a day. Give everyone of every background, every ethnicity, every gender, every sexual orientation, give all of them just an opportunity, let them get their foot in the door, and then make your decision. Exactly.
2: And um, you said it so eloquently in that, Gary, in the sense that, uh, especially in regards to, I guess I want to say, the NBA or sports, where it's, it's looked at as, you know, and, and, and I would say with, with good reason, um, one of the more racially conscious and and, and, and racially or socially minded um, of the four major sports uh, leagues and I just you have situations like that where it's okay give those people a chance I mean just having 8 of 30 head coach positions occupied by black coaches I know Adam Silver came out I think yesterday the day before saying they're going to make the G League more of a a focus of diversity but that's the thing like and this is my response to that you shouldn't just as much the NBA is a, a way to hire Great town or great fits or whatever, anywhere, make that anywhere. It doesn't be, oh, we're going to put this in our G League or put this in whatever position. Because that's not showing equality or showing diversity if we have to focus in like a focus group to, to, to do that. Or so we're going to put, I don't even know what that means. Uh, maybe I'm looking at it from a place of my own ignorance. But in terms of, I, I don't understand if it's because uh, uh, the playing experience isn't valued as highly or whatever the case might be. Or, or, or I don't understand the reasons why not but I do understand the disparity I mean you had the recent hire of Troy Weaver so that gives the NBA now nine black general managers which is a higher number than it's had in a while but just four have the final say in final basketball decision making so I mean that's still something to be looked at and I mean looking at it entirely uh it, it just doesn't it doesn't add up and it's, it's it's surprising and it's confusing in the sense of you know if you're hiring the best person for the job and things that exact-
1: The NBA is uh, as you said the arguably the most progressive sport in the world but uh, it can always be more so and uh, it should be continuing to try to, to 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 do more and and one of the things you know now that we're we're on the the basketball topic after about 55 minutes of chatting <laughs> um, I, I did want to get your take on what the NBA can do in this restart which is happening basically, uh, in a little over a, a month's time to, uh, to continue to highlight these issues. Of course, I, I heard news today that uh, the NBA is, uh, and with Nike, is considering allowing players to put messages on the back of their jerseys instead of their last names, something that the, the Barclays Premier League has done where they have all the players, uh, instead of their last names, they have Black Lives Matter there. Um, you know, Mark Spears mentioned stuff like, uh, you know, you can even name the courts that you're playing on because, of course, they're going to be playing on on neutral venues. But, yeah, what were your thoughts as far as uh, some of the things that have been suggested and, and some of the things that, that you would want to see showcased uh, once the NBA resumes and essentially becomes a distraction for people? See, this exactly. this is why I'm,
2: I'm of mixed feelings about the NBA restart, game. I'm, I'm just going to tell you. I mean, I, I know you probably know we've talked about it a little bit, but uh, on the one hand, I love, love the NBA. I'm going to be able to watch it. I'm going to enjoy it. Like, it, it's going to be something that, uh, you know, it, it's something that in some way is, is a solace. And, you know, it's comforting. It, 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 you know, I, I can go on and on about the NBA. On the other hand, I feel really conflicted about messages can be done or should be done with the NBA restarting. My first thought was leaning almost like 60, I'd say 60-40 on not doing the NBA this season. And the only reason why I was was because, I mean, forget the risk of COVID-19 everywhere. Forget the little hot spot the NBA is going to be at. Maybe you take the rest of this year out and you take a moment to look in and focus and not have the almost immediate distraction that will be there as much as it may be um, welcome just because of everything we've gone through over the past year. On the other hand, I'm trying to see how much of what is going to be done will keep us focused on the actual root of the issue. Because at the end of the day, the basketball is is the compelling part that will either unfortunately or not have some of the longer lasting um, impact on us where if I were to I'm trying to think about this. With the NBA going back, I, I guess one thing i like to see is more conversations. Um, I know Inside the NBA does a great job of this. You have this dialogue. You have these roundtables. You bring in people from the community. You, you bring in um, uh, black people in all manners of leadership, and you talk about how, at the base level, you can work to rectify the situation. You interview players. You talk about their friends. Talk about their situations. Being African American or of different privilege in that sense, or, or whatever the case may be. Um, the uniforms is something that is great. The courts something that's great. But I, I need. I, I don't want. To, in some ways, it almost feels, especially with the jerseys, I, I, I would. It would be very poor taste. For example, if they were to do that, and then they're like, if they're available for sale, and then they're like promoting or supporting like Black Lives Matter or other groups like that then I guess there's a positive avenue to it but I want the thought process, I want the conversations to be I guess almost like just completely pure in origin and, 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 and goals. You know where it's strong and powerful enough that you can look at the product on the floor, you can look at the game, you you have that moment there whether it's for us, both business and and enjoyment of watching and also, you know, being in the industry of of following the games and such, but also knowing, and of course, you and I are aware of this, but people in general that, hey, listen, yeah, you're getting basketball back and we're having this, but that these conversations will continue to happen, that this is the new normal, that you will continue to have these types of discourse and conversation and, and that this... This mindset is what it's going to be, and it's not going to go away. And I know I didn't really answer the question. I'm kind of rounding into it. I, I like everything that's been brought up. I want something that is sustained. So if it's going to be somewhere where it's the jerseys and new forms now, great. I think that does make a point of, okay, we're bigger than just the game and the names. That we're, we're people in this too. The bottom line, I want this to continue throughout the process and not just now. So whether you're having... And I, like I said, I brought inside the NBA when they did it with um, Martin Luther King. They handle that every day. The, the the games they handle well, where you're watching the games and you're in the moment there, but you do not lose sight of the message from the commercial break, from the broadcasting throughout. And I need that to happen throughout the entirety of this process,
1: and then even after. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. You know, a, you know, a lot of the the talk has been about um, you know what can we do during the bubble. But yeah, it's fair that, that the the players. Um, you know, and and these advocates should be uh, fighting for. Let's not just do this during this bubble. Let's do this for the rest of NBA history, and and you know continue. And and, and yeah, they've got a platform. They've got a power to hopefully to to do some of that and and institute some some real change. Uh, and 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 yeah, hopefully make it so that this isn't um, you know the distraction element of giving people entertainment doesn't outweigh the positive uh, effects, the positive messaging that you can do for for here and moving forward. Um, so yeah it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what the NBA does. hopefully they'll make us proud. Um, uh, but uh, you know to, to, to finish this Corbin I um, we, we briefly talked about this and, and I asked you if you were comfortable. Um, you know, describing some experience that, that you have had uh, living as a, you know, and living through the black experience. And uh, if, if you were willing to, to share some of that with us, uh, you know, again, I think it's it's important for people to to see that the people that they listen to on podcasts, the people that, uh, you know, that they know are going through this stuff. It's not just the, the videos that they, that they see online oh yeah for sure Garrett, of course and
2: it's true and i mean i have a, a few um i mean even at the job right now i work at a public library and i've had within the first two months i had another um african or black co-worker i was working with for about a month um before you had a different job opportunity and at one point funnily enough we were talking about basketball and i had made um a corny lakers joke and we were laughing and you know i, I work with probably the only white um middle aged to senior people in this community and so one um one lady came up to us and was like listen um i'm not sure how you do this in the ghetto but this is a library and we need you to keep your voice down and oh, what was man. funny was that this happened last year and I, we were so shocked that you know we're like oh of course sorry ma'am you know the normal whatever and then it was like one of those slow kind of burns where I was too shocked that I would even been addressed that way to fully react to it. Yeah. And the more I thought about it, the more i like, did she, what? And then she had the audacity to have to ask me to help her with her computer work, not even 10 minutes later, as if the conversation that would have been had never happened. Um. And then, of course, you know, business and, and, and working and being helpful, I, that's exactly what I did. And I'm still going, like, the the, the the amount of casual racism that was used in that. We, it wasn't like we were that much of a head We were just laughing, you know, for, for a moment. And the fact that that was the exact line that we were hit with, as if that is just normal, uh, it, it, it shocked us. And by the end of the day, we were both angry because we had thought about it and sounded and like, really? Like, we're still dealing with this? Like, is that, like, did she really just say that? Like, that just amount of surprise to shock to anger. Um, I've had the same job. I work at public library and maybe people see me at first glance and you know there I, I can count on my finger. we have a district of 18 libraries and i'm one of four um black people who work there i'm the only uh male who works in the district so um i'm the only african-american male that works in the district so i'm sure that for some it, it's it's surprising but i've had people who were surprised that i could read like i gave a book recommendation I'm like oh wow you read and i'm like that is just but yes, that like like it actually happened. I Had a coworker I had to look at to be like, you you did hear this, like like you know that you just said that, right? I've had um people who thought that I was in a prison reform program because I was being ignored by her as far as uh customer questions. And she's like, oh I don't know if you can help me with this one, but um and I'm like, sure of course I can help. She's like, oh okay. I didn't know what kind of brick release program, prison reform program you were involved. In. I'm like, I've been here five months. I work in the front desk. I work all around the library. How would you? Why, why would you assume this? And maybe it's a special group of people. But in my case, the fact that this experience is something that is just shocking and anger-inducing to me. Um, I've been told, obviously, about music before, or having to feel that I have to um, come in a certain type of way when I talk, and and to better understand, you know, talking white, talking black, whatever the case may be. I'm um, around my coworkers, and 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 having coded language. That's been the issue. Um, I think the biggest instant either i had was uh, working with FEMA um and that's a federal emergency management agency um I was with them for two years and um in one particular time I was working in Houston and um it was just after some of the flooding so I want to say 2017 2018 or 20 one of those one of these one of the past three years <laughs> yeah okay. and we had been traveling um pretty much all day and so we finally pulled into our hotel and uh we hadn't eaten and so we're like, okay we're gonna get something to eat so the way we split up you know um we were in different rooms, and um, I was with the guys, and we were done. And so we were going to get ladies and make sure they were ready. And so I walked up to, you know, let them know, hey, we're about to leave to go get something to eat. Now this is my, just like 11.30 at night. It wasn't the only really thing in the open. We're going to go to Waffle House. And so I went to let them know, and they weren't ready, so I came back. And as I'm walking back to my room, I saw this guy looking at me. And so I, I waved hello. He ignored me, and I was like, okay. And I continued to walk back to my room. So I wait 10, 15, 20 minutes. And again... I'm ready. So like, okay, you want to go check and see if they're ready? I'm like, sure thing. And I go out there. And as I do, I'm, I'm walking to the room. I knock on the door. Fine. I walk back to go to my room. And it's maybe like, you know, it's a long haul. But it's like a two-minute like, minute walk. You know, it's not. It's, it's it's one of those that are from one end of the hotel to the other. Yeah. As I'm getting there, I'm coming up the stairs to meet me is the same guy and a police officer. And what was honestly interesting to me was that I recognized that police officer because... We have the same briefings every day. You know, um, federal man, management aid, FEMA, uh, police officers, community help, all meet for the same thing. So at some point in time, even if you're not personally, excuse me, saying good morning or something, you're still actively seeing them. And in fact, I had actively said good morning to him. So I, I, I was like, oh, this, you know, okay. And he was like, oh, I'm going to need you to go against the wall. And I'm like, um, sorry, sir. And he's like, you heard me quite clear that it's going against the wall. And I was, I, I did what he said. And I'm looking at the other guy going, um, can I ask what for? And he's like, no, you can't. And I'm like, um, sir, like I, I work with FEMA. It's on the back of my jacket. In a bl- it's a blue hoodie with F E M A on the back. And I'm like, Hey, I was just getting my coworkers. We're about to go like to eat. And, um, he's ignoring me as the other guys talking, saying, well, he's coming in a suspicious hour. And I was concerned. And I was like, I, I don't even know who you are. So he's like, well, actually, I'm the hotel manager. The police officer again is just roughing me up, checking me up and down, not even saying they like, sir, um, you know, the officer, I asked how are you this morning. Like, you know who I am. And he's just completely ignoring me. And it took my coworkers, because um, I hadn't gotten far from her, their room, to come out of their door. And then she started screaming. And it kind of caused uh, a mess of hysteria for a second. And I'm just, against the wall, just quiet as can be at this point. Because I'm asking questions, being denied. And I'm like, hey, listen, I'm not trying to be in a situation where my mom sees me on the news tonight for nothing I've done. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm doing that. And then she's like, can't you see and she's saying the same thing I said you worked with him and then he's acting as if again I didn't say anything the officer's like "Uh, ma'am is he causing you any harm and she's like fuck no he went to pick us up we're about to go get something to eat like what the fuck are you doing and he's like okay ma'am I was just here to make sure again as if I wasn't there as if she hadn't said that you just worked with him just completely not acknowledged me and then let me go and he's like okay well um, and then he goes out with this as it's going down this is totally disrespectful make sure you stay out of trouble type thing and I'm like i literally shaking. I'm so angry. And then the hotel manager just goes straight downstairs with him, doesn't even look back. And of course, the next day, I'm. the next day we're there, and who do I work with? But, well, he wasn't there the next morning, but the next day, so two days after the same pre-meeting, he's the same one right there. And I'm like, uh, pretending as if nothing had happened. And it, again, we worked side by side with him for eight hours over an 18-hour day to come to the hotel to literally do nothing wrong except be suspicious in a bright blue hoodie I mean I have to tell you a picture of of the way that the FEMA um, outfits look as far as uh, FEMA court members and everything and it was just that was one of the more shocking ones I've had one of the more irritating ones I've had I've been called cops on when I was playing in a neighborhood park um, and it was after 10.30 but the lights were still on and apparently I was being checked up and I was given a cease and desist or trespassing um or something like I was written up and if I was caught in the same park um in the next six months uh I, I would be arrested now and, and I was telling them I said sir like listen like I'm the first thing from a troublemaker you'll ever meet I had no idea you know the lights are still on I was track of time and I was looking at my clock and shooting the basketball when the cops came I was continuing to shoot I didn't know I'd done anything wrong you know I was just I just saw them coming and yeah I'm alone with the park but the lights still on I'm still shooting and this and that and uh uh-uh, that was something that happened needless to say I didn't go back I was like listen I'm I'm not that person. They're like, oh yeah, we understand. Um, oh, you work in a library, and I pulled out in my bag, like I have a wallet, it has my ID badge, and I'm like, yes, sir, like I would do nothing to endanger my job, my position, or anything. I'm you know, shooting basketball on lost track of time. And they're like, yeah, but rules are rules, whatever the case may be, and I understand that, but I'm blowing the lines. It just happened so many times for me, um, especially in unique situations, like having the opportunity and honor to work with FEMA, or having the opportunity to work, work, work in places where I've worked with law enforcement, and still be treated.
1: incredibly sobering. And uh, it's, um, again, I think white people in, in this country and around the world need to realize that, you know, police officers in in most cases, uh, for them are, are looked at as as people that, oh, they're good. They're protecting us. They're helping us. They're, they're abiding by the serve and protect motto. Uh, but for black people in this country, it absolutely is not that. And and yes speaking to that uh, that scene at the hotel I mean I can't even imagine the fear the concern that you have going on and and despite the fact that um, you know you're you're reacting in a in a very logical reasonable and, and and seemingly calm manner and yet you're being completely ignored and looked upon as just an inferior individual which is sickening uh, it is um, yeah, it's it's so important to recognize that that it's not just the incidents that happen, but it's because those incidents happen, then every other waking moment of your life and black people's lives, you're in fear of those incidents taking place again, and uh, you know the, the those those comments that you've gotten from from some coworkers and and some some random people on the street, uh, yeah. It, you know I, I kind of react the same way when when someone comes at me it takes me a moment to internalize what happened so I'm not typically able to just come at, come back at them with a with a biting retort uh, so so that stuff just builds up and and, and I'm sure over the you know again uh, over the course of, of an entire lifetime of, of this stuff happening on a pretty consistent basis it just uh, you know it, it just becomes this, this uh, this huge weight, this huge burden that you carry with you. Yeah, and I mean honestly,
2: the worst story I have. I mean, this is uh my best my best friend, my great granny. She passed away a couple months ago, and for the longest, she had um she always called it. She's from the deep south, country accent. She always called it her um her sick arm, her sick shoulder. It was always one shoulder that was um like weaker than the other, and so you know we didn't really realize where it was or what came of it. She never really talks about why um she was in a situation you know we're where sexual like what does that mean grandma and she was like oh it's just my sex shoulder and i was like uh, okay like okay grandma <laughs> well i found the story out last year and it was something that always resonated with me on just her and everything um and one of her um a, a police officer came this is in 1986 in new york a police officer came and um basically uh heard a dispute and arrested just three members of uh, my family one uh, was a friend and she was a visitor um, she wasn't involved she was just kind of you know walking up life type thing um, and she was arrested and my grandmother was like oh that that she just got here I'm um, she's under my care you know this or that i'll go up and try to um i'll go up and uh try to see what's going on so she goes over to the um police office or police station and in new york is these big like there's, you know, it was a, we well, don't know, but there was a marble kind of, st- like a, like a big um, staircase kind of going up, Okay. and she's walking up there to say something, and kind of, the, the story in this case, um she was, you know, upset and angry and, and, and yelling, you know, 50-something year old granny at the time, um and, uh, kind of making, hey, this isn't right, and you need to let her go, this and that, you haven't heard the true story, yada, yada, yada. At some point in time, um, and you'll hear two different stories depending on what my granny told, or what my mom told me, because my granny didn't tell the story, and what the police officer said, but basically, they pushed her down the stairs. Oh um, my God. And she separated her shoulder in two different places, had a tooth knocked out, all of that. And bottom line, they pursued legal action. It got pretty much dismissed quite easily. And then, error on top of errors, the surgery in order to separate the shoulder um, was done wrong, like there was an error done, so that a tendon that shouldn't have gotten snipped got snipped. And it totally just basically fucked up her shoulder. And I was some I mean, my granny lived to 89, but from like 56 to 89, just an entire issue that was never resolved because they declined to prosecute anything. And, uh, you know, my parents, my family offered represent, or my family at the time um, was looking for representation, but my mom was pretty young at the time. And um, my grandmother and great grandma kind of, I don't want to say taking advantage of in the system, but let's just say the people that represent them didn't necessarily have the interest of justice in terms of getting uh, the situation out and done it, just very quickly and that was the story and my granny I mean I guess she was ashamed of it because I asked her about it and I'm glad I was able to before she passed as far as like, why she didn't share it she's like well you know bottom line she, she felt embarrassed at the way the situation came and that if she had known better she would have just um just called it and, and not voiced her opinion and I went like, grandma that's that's not like you did the right thing but you have the freedom of speech to voice what happened and she almost felt ashamed and upset that as if any of that that followed in her life was her own doing, and that is something I always think about. That anger
1: that angers me completely. Yeah, that's that's heartbreaking, and yeah, it goes to show you, you know, the the larger society's sort of expectation and 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 their reaction. A lot of times would be, oh, well, she shouldn't have gotten angry. She shouldn't have gotten emotional. But you know, you you look at your situation in the hotel and. It, it frankly doesn't matter. You can be as calm, cool, and collected as you want, or you can be as angry and fierce as you want. And yeah. and and frankly, it all depends on how the cop looks at you, whether they, they look at you like a human being or if they look at you like a dog. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, that that is an incredibly sad and heartbreaking. And, yeah, you know, you, you talk about the, the mental and emotional damage that, uh, that black people in this country and around the world have to deal with. But there's also actual physical repercussions for some of this behavior, as with your grandma and her shoulder. Uh, yeah, it, um, thank you so much, Corbin, for, for sharing that. I know that, that couldn't have been easy. And, and thanks so much for, for taking the time and, and, and talking about this. I, I feel like I've, I've learned some things through this process, and, and hopefully anybody listening has as well. But again, can't thank you enough. I appreciate you, Garrett, for giving me the
2: platform and letting me, you know, talk and and being there to listen. I hope that uh, I was mostly coherent. A lot of emotions were kind of coming out, and um, I'm hoping that the message was clear and that I, in in some way, helped somebody with my story. So um, thank you just for us being able to have this conversation having the platform, Garrett. The pleasure was just as much mine, at least, of getting it out as as, as yours, just to be able to hear it. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm glad to do it, and, and we'll have to continue this conversation. And uh, for for those of you listening that are uh, expecting the, the typical Duncan Dynasty content, we'll be we'll be bringing that to you in the uh, the upcoming weeks to come as we uh, as we lead towards the uh, the NBA restart. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Please, if you can, if you have a moment, go to iTunes and uh, give us a rating and review. Preferably five stars. And uh, if you could give any thoughts about what you'd like about the show, that would be much appreciated. We are also on Spotify, so uh, you can give us a rating on there as well. If you'd like to find some other content outside of this podcast, you can find me on Twitter at Garrett Bougay. That's G A R R E T T B U G A Y. I will be. Uh, tweeting various uh, NBA thoughts as well as some, some thoughts on some other uh, interests of mine including soccer and film and television so uh, if you're looking for some of my takes throughout the, the course of the week you can find me there. You can find my co-host Corbin Ford on Twitter at Corbin NBA. that's C-O-R-B-A-N NBA so uh, he, uh, he does, a, d- does a good job on Twitter as well he's very active Uh, Corbin also is the site expert for the fan-sided website Valley of the Sun, which talks all things Phoenix Suns, so you can check out uh, what he's doing there. I'm also doing uh, some work as a contributor for Rip City Project, which uh, does all things Blazers, so if you're looking for some written content, you can check those websites out. Corbin also does his own pod on the side called NBA Today, He uh, he does some some fun work over there, so so please I encourage you to check that out. But uh, thanks so much again for for listening, and have a great rest of your day. Leftovers, or the DMV, or house cleaning, or
0: Chumba Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox.